morning we're starting a new sermon series, which is going to take us through the month of September. And here's what's going to happen as I preach and teach from the Word of God about our finances, is what's going to happen is we're going to have people whose hearts and minds are touched in a new way in this very powerful area of our lives, and they're going to make decisions of faith in September because I have a feeling we're going to learn things or gain an appreciation for things from God's Word that maybe we've looked over or didn't make the connection with uh, and at least be reminded of these things. And then from these decisions of faith that we're going to make week by week throughout the month of September, uh, we're going to begin seeing the fruit of those decisions in October, the early fruit, the first fruit. They're going to happen in October, and then it's going to blow your mind because what we're going to be talking about in September is going to lay a foundation, a biblical approach, returning faith to our finances, uh, preserving God's portion. It's going to impact the future of River Church from here on forward. Um, and it's going to be very cool and very exciting, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm very uh, much looking forward to jumping into God's Word with you this morning. Uh, in regards to what does the Bible say about our money, how do we restore faith to our finances, and I'll be preaching this morning from Genesis chapter 2. You're like, Genesis chapter 2, like you're not from Malachi, you're not from other passages in the New Testament that talk about money. No, 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 no. We've got to start right here. We've got to start in the Garden of Eden. And it's going to be amazing what God's going to show us this morning about, and encouraging, about our finances and how to restore faith to our finances. And each week is going to build. And so if you're not able to be here for one week in September, uh, make sure you go online and, and get the podcast because it's kind of like algebra class for the next week or so, next month or so. You're not going to want to miss any of the teachings because they build on each other sequentially throughout the month of September. On Tough Buddy Sunday, I'm not talking about finances. I'm just going to preach the gospel loud and clear in the hopes that people will be coming early for our church service with Holy Tough Buddy. And so that will be the one difference in September. But I need to start at the beginning with you guys so that you have the full context of, of God's provision for us as a church. I want you guys to hear things. Um, I guess starting from me, that you're not, you're not going to hear any other place regarding how God has provided for River Church. Um, this is my journal, uh, and I want to read to you from August 11, 2014. River Church hadn't started yet. We, we didn't start services until November 2nd. We're going to have a really big birthday party this year, in the first Sunday in November. You're not going to want to miss it. Some very cool things are going to happen. Uh, but that is our anniversary. That will be our fifth birthday, uh, the first Sunday in November. I want to read just a couple snippets from my journal. This is from August 11th, 2014. Our family was vacationing in Tennessee at the time. Our time on vacation has been very relaxing and enjoyable, but it has not been a prayer and planning retreat for River Church. I, I know I would still very much like that, but this has not been the time. I, I think the biggest thing for me is still not having a location. If the school is not available for whatever reason, I'm not sure what we're going to do. Because of this, I'm not really interested in schooling up the troops or buying a lot of stuff, as the facility is an important consideration, and I do not have endless cash. I should and probably will call the school today, but I'm afraid to be told no. 
was the lack of interest in our informational meetings and the inability to find a team, to find a location rather, things have slowed down. A fall launch would be nice, but time is running short. And I have a very new and untested team. Many of you might remember, but the school did say no. They said, no, you can't meet here. And I searched every other place in Zurich City and East Ripples, and we didn't have a place to meet. And so I, I had to make some follow-up phone calls to the school because, well, I don't like taking no for an answer. August 12th. I'm unsettled and frustrated and need to get over it. I was really hoping for months, since June, essentially, that by now River Church would have a location and a plan to begin services. We have neither. And it may be for the best, but my small, mostly inexperienced team is growing smaller. <laughs> uh, we started with four families, and through my skillful leadership, I, I grew it to two. Father, I know this is an opportunity to express my faith in you and, and follow. I, I don't wish to run ahead or fall behind. Please forgive me for my faithlessness and disappointment with my timeline not being met. Please do a new work in Jewish city and, and strengthen your existing people of faith. And so I, I made a follow-up phone call to the school after they said that we couldn't meet here, and I asked for an appointment with the superintendent also. I was superintendent of the Brooklyn School System. August 18, 2014. I just got home from my first meeting with Superintendent Paul Smith in Driblets. I didn't need to make a friend. Thank you very much. I meet with the Board of Ed a week from tonight to make my appeal with Mr. Smith's advisement and even a little cursing. That was the first time the Lord really provided something to River Church. It wasn't money or, or any of that stuff. It was a friend because we needed a guest. We, we needed a place to meet. And that's the story of the first time God provided something to River Church before we were even a church. We had a $20,000 war chest that was donated from the church where I had served faithfully for 10 years. And once we had a, a location, then I felt comfortable buying the stuff. We bought the soundboard and the case that it's in, most of the equipment that you see here today. And a lot of that money went towards purchasing that stuff, the trailer, and you know, many of you are familiar with all the equipment that we have. To this day, for the most part, everything that River Church owns by equipment fits to the 6x12 trailer, which is pretty cool. And so we started with $20,000, but because of the Lord's blessing, we've got over $200,000 in the bank right now in undesignated funds that we're going to start using sooner rather than later. In fact, we've already started using because the Lord's also provided two and a half acres in the heart of Jewish city. If someone had told you, 
five years ago today that there would be a new church meeting in the middle school that would own property at the side of the old town hall in downtown Jewett City, you'd say they're a crack-smoking lunatic. But I'm telling you what you already know and what God has provided. We paid for that land in cash. We've owned it for two years now. We don't owe anybody a nickel for that property. We have power on the property. We have water on the property. We have a construction trailer on the property. I'm going to be mowing it this week. It's clean. We partied on the property. Our hope is to build a 12,000-square-foot church-slash-community center on that property. That this time next year or close to it, school buses are going to be returning to School Street to drop off their children for after-school programming provided by the town of Griffith in our facility. Because if they've been sharing with us for five years, can't we share with them? The answer is yes. The Lord has provided that vision and that hope. We had no place to meet for any amount of money, and we've been meeting at the school now for free for five years. We don't spend any money to meet here. You talk to any church planter you want, none of them can tell you that story. We started, as I mentioned, with two families, the Thompsons and us, and borrowed teenagers, borrowed teenager musicians that we got to use for about six months. And now we have more than two families which is great. And we have our own teenagers that we don't borrow anymore. We get to hang on to them. The Lord has provided people for us as well. We had no presence in the community. My first prayers in this town, when the Lord put it on our hearts to plant a church here, was, Heavenly Father, give me a place to park where people know who I am and why I'm there. And it's not just, what is that strange car doing in the parking lot? The Lord answered that prayer and provided people of peace and places of peace. Now not only do we have a presence in the community, we host the largest outreaches of any church in Eastern Connecticut. We reach more people as River Church than any church I know of because of our community presence. As I already mentioned, the first elected wants our help to play in the next town park. If God's not doing something, then I don't know what it looks like in the next town. Because none of us can take credit for any of that stuff how God has provided None of us are that clever, none of us are that hardworking, none of us are that wealthy. These are things that God has provided. Long story short, when it comes to River Church, He has provided everything. He's provided everything. He called, He confirmed, and He provided. And the big idea for this morning is, is that God is still planting gardens of provision. We're going to read in the text this morning the account of the Garden of Eden which was, at the end of the day, a garden that the Lord provided. Everything in it, everything in that garden, was provided to Adam and Eve. And he's still planting those gardens. He's still planting those gardens. And those of us who call River Church our home can prove it through our own testimony of almost the first five years now. So if you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to Genesis chapter 2. And we're reading verses 4 through 9, and then skipping up to verses 15 and 16. Uh, The words will be on the screen this morning, uh, but you're encouraged to open up your Bible and follow along. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. These are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation at the time that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. No shrub of the field had yet uh, grown on the land, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not made it rain on the land, 
and there was no man to work the ground. All I want to say about those two verses there is this is chapter 2's way of saying that uh, in the beginning, the earth was shapeless and void. (laughs) There was nothing happening until God showed up. So all the things that are going to happen in the garden are for one reason and one reason only. It is because God provided the things. No plants, no rain, no crops. For the Lord God had not done any of these things. Picking up in verse 6. But water would come out of the ground and water the entire surface of the land. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. Verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man he had formed. The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And again, I just want to repeat, please see that the only things that existed at that time were the things that God had created. And that everything was that was in the garden, including the two trees with which we are familiar, were placed there intentionally by God. If he wanted those trees on Mars, they would have been on Mars. If he wanted them on Earth. Everything in that garden was ultimately for Adam and Eve. Continuing in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. Don't miss the the important part of this verse. There are no restrictions given regarding what Adam is to oversee and to work. Did you notice that? The Lord God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden. Again, if he wanted him in Kentucky, he could have planted him in Kentucky. But he put Adam in the Garden of Eden, where these two, as we know, very dangerous trees were right smack out in the middle. And Adam had the authority over the whole garden. All the trees he was to oversee and to work. The whole thing. No restrictions. Continuing on. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Here's the first big concept that I really want us to have some comfort and familiarity with this morning. And this is the idea. Within... God's provision is also God's portion. In the Garden of Eden, he created everything that was there. Nothing was there that he did not create, and he intentionally put Adam and Eve right in the Garden of Eden with the specific responsibility that they were to oversee and manage or work all of the garden. No restriction was given to the authority that they were to have over the trees that were planted in the garden, including the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But God's portion was, you may eat, you may consume, not only manage, but you may also eat and live off of every tree in the garden except 
one tree. Notice that he did not command him to not eat from the tree of life. Why? Because death wasn't a part of Adam's future at that point. He was never going to be removed from God's presence. Whether he was physically alive or dead, he was always going to be with God. There was no sin. So whether or not Adam and Eve ate from the tree of life at that point, it really didn't matter because they already had life. So there's no prohibition against eating from that tree. It would have just been more of what they already had. One prohibition which defined God's portion, which was do not eat from the tree that gives the wisdom or the knowledge or the experience of good and evil. If there is one thing that keeps people from God, it is this thing right here. If God is so good, why then is there evil? friends to come and join you at church, and I can almost guarantee you for the first six times you invite them to church, they're going to say, I don't really want anything to do with God because of white-faced hornets, hurricanes, tornadoes, you know, cold french fries at McDonald's, things that we would all agree are blatantly evil. If God is so, melted ice cream, so good, why is there evil? We weren't supposed to eat from that tree, people. It was our tree to manage. It was our tree to prune. It was our tree to rake the leaves up. It was our tree to keep the deer from nibbling on the fresh green buds. But it was not our tree to eat. But we ate from it. And guess what? We have a knowledge now of good and evil that is the single greatest stumbling block to faith. Roll them all up into one, and I just don't like it. If there is something keeping your loved ones from God, it is the fact that they have knowledge, intimate, personal knowledge of evil that they're not supposed to have right now. But please get this. Every tree in the garden was corrupt. Every tree was there. Save the one. Because we weren't supposed to eat it yet. We weren't supposed to eat it God didn't want us to have the knowledge of good and evil. He wouldn't have planted the tree. But we consumed something that we were supposed to manage. We ate something. We took something for ourselves that was not for us yet. You see that in the text? It's super, super powerful and super, super important that we understand that within what God provides, which is everything, there is his portion. That he is reserving for his people. It is ours to manage, but it is not ours to consume. He gave every tree in the garden to Adam and Eve to care for, but he did not give them every tree to consume. If you don't understand that, we will never experience God's peace in our personal finances any longer, people. God provides everything, but it's not all for our consumption. Some of it is for us to care for. And it is modeled at the very beginning, before the law, before Deuteronomy, before priests, before the church, before Jesus, before any of it. This is how God works. He always provides everything for his people, but not all of it is for our consumption. Some of it we are to care for. Well, gosh, that's cool, but you started this sermon by saying all the stuff that God provides for us. So are we consuming all of it? That is a great question. That needs to be entertaining. Thank you. And if that's a new thought to you, welcome to the service. Keep up.
astounding and was powerful because i was going to make us think about things that we never thought about before have you ever heard a pastor preach about money from the garden of eden i haven't quite closed the loop there yet but i'm going to get there this is how god works and it's super powerful there is power in god's portion so what has river church done since before day one we as a church have set aside a portion of what god has provided and dedicated it to one of two things international missions or local church planting we do not consume all of our tithes and offerings and contributions why because god provides everything but not everything is for our consumption and I'm going to explain why. I'm going to explain the purpose of God's portion in a moment from the text. You're going to see it for yourselves. God provides everything, but not everything is for our consumption. And so as a church, we've been withholding a certain percentage of our income to bless somebody other than ourselves. We do not consume all the money. Some of it gets set aside every month. We, we don't have $200,000 in funds. We have a quarter of a million dollars in funds. But we don't touch God's portion. We have spent very little of God's portion. Why? We haven't planted a church yet, and we have not partnered with international missions yet. Why? Because of the following Acts 1 8. The gospel will be preached in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. We've been dedicating ourselves for the first five years to our Jerusalem and our Judea, which is 06351 and Eastern Connecticut. As the Lord blesses us and as we grow, we will expand beyond the region into national missions and international ministry and church planting. But we haven't done it yet, but the money's sitting in the bank. We have not consumed it, nor will we. Even though we're about ready to build a building, or really hope we will, that money is God's portion don't consume it. We're managing it until the Lord tells us it's time to spend it, not on ourselves, but on his kingdom. So let me tell you what the purpose of God's portion is and what God does with his portion. Because God provides everything, and when he provides, it's not all for our consumption. Part of it is for his purposes and his portion. Let me show you where we get this from. Uh, and so how do we respect God's portion here at River Church? From day one, we have set money aside from our tithes and offerings to be spent somewhere other than River Church. We do not consume all of God's provision. Turn with me, of all places, to Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. I want to show you something. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. First couple of chapters of Revelation are just so fascinating to me because a lot of times we we wonder, you know, if Jesus could say anything to us now as a church after his resurrection, what would he say? Well, we've got seven different sermons that he preached to seven different churches in, in, in Revelation chapter two. And it's just fascinating to see what the resurrected Jesus is saying to first century churches. The first church that he talks to is the church found in Ephesus, and listen to what he promises to those members of the church in Ephesus who overcome and restore their first love for the gospel. This is Jesus speaking. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. 
I will give the victor the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in God's paradise. People, there's still trees. God is still planting gardens of provision. It was always the plan. Everything in that garden is for God's people. But we were to care for and not consume all of it. We have not consumed from the tree of life yet. But we are promised that we will. We will eat from the tree of life. There will be a time when it is correct for us to eat from the tree of life. When we receive our heavenly reward. Seven times Jesus speaks to the churches in the first century church in the book of Revelation. He makes seven different promises. The first promise at the end of each of the, of the sermons. The first promise he makes is that it's still a tree. It's always been our tree. But we have to respect God's portion. And he is going to give us the fruit of that tree. Revelation goes on to say that the leaves of that tree are for the healing of the who? Who knows this? The healing of the nations. That's a powerful tree. We have no idea what the bark does. The Bible doesn't say it. But we've got a long time to figure it out. Why doesn't he promise that we will eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Why is he promising that? We already have that knowledge. And we've already talked about how sweet our lives would be if we had that knowledge and the Lord wanted to give it to us instead of taking it for ourselves. We're going to eat from the tree of life, folks. It's not for us to do it now. We don't have access to that tree, right? But we will. Everything in that garden was for God's people because God provides everything for his people, but he does have a portion. We are to consume most of what God has given us, and we are to care for a certain part of it. We'll be talking more about that in the weeks to come. Let me help illustrate this concept, though, because it's, it's a new one for some of us, I think. I don't know that we've ever looked at our finances that way, that God has given us everything. Like, we, we, we talk about that, and we know that churches say that, you know, that God has provided all the things for us. It's in the text, it clearly does. But the Bible also clearly teaches that we are to consume most of it. Yes, but we're to care for some of it. Because there is a purpose to God's portion. What is the purpose to God's portion? The purpose to God's portion is to provide for the future of his people. You see, God has provided everything that we need, not just now, but also then. We have it all provided for us. He has provided everything for us. What we need now and what we need moving forward. And the part that is designated for being a blessing in the future to God's people is referred to, in this sermon series anyway, for now, as God's portion. We consume most, but we manage or care for God's portion because he is going to use it to bless his kingdom in the future. Today is day four of empty nesting for Trish and I. She's fine. I'm a hot mess. I miss my team desperately. And so I've been uh, really stupid this week because I have been looking at pictures like this one right here. This picture was taken 13 years ago. Benaiah was seven and Ezra was four. If you're struggling with empty nesting, don't do what I've been doing. Don't look at this stuff. They're hug wrestling. I don't know if girls hug wrestle, but boys, we hug wrestle. Sometimes this turns into a fist fight. 
Sometimes it turns to an ice cream cone because they're playing so well together. You don't know. They're boys. They're hug wrestling. These are our two sons. One is at the University of Maine as a junior. He's going to turn 21 in a few weeks. The other one just is a freshman at Gordon. He's 17. He turns 18. So here's pictures of four and seven. Here's something that those two boys knew on that day 13 years ago. That their mom and I had a plan and a purpose for their education called college. That we anticipated and expected and hoped and dreamed and desired that they would go and learn a skill or a trade and be equipped for that and be used by God, understanding that a season of training, more likely than not, involving college, was a part of their future. They knew that then. It was, but there was a parental portion that we did not share with them. We did not tell them that the University of Maine is $48,000 a year, or that Gordon College is $53,000 a year. And now you're awake. And that if the Lord did not provide for them, that their mom and I raised that we could to set aside a portion of our finances to provide for their future. But that they were going to have to see God do a thing. Because not only were they going to be on the hook for about $200,000 a piece to get this education, more likely than not, we did not share with the seven and four-year-old version of our hug wrestling boys that they're probably going to fall in love. Because you know what? There's fish in that sea. And guess what? That cute and cuddly, she comes with a price tag too. And I'm not talking a dowry. She, too, probably has college debt. And between the two of them, they probably have money on a car that they owe as well. Conservatively, when they choose to get married, if the Lord had not provided and if Chris and I had not set aside a portion for them, they would be on the hook for, conservatively, $300,000. Tell me if I'm making that up or if I'm wildly out of here. You know this. You tell me how much debt your child is going to have if they don't get any help from the parental portion of God's provision and they decide to get married and their spouse or their fiancé has the same amount of comparable debt. They have a house mortgage without the home. If we had shared that with the seven and four-year-old version of our hug wrestling sons, the parental portion that is now a very active blessing in their lives because they're on track to graduate debt-free. Because the Lord has provided. The parental portion that is now a very real blessing 13 years later would have been a curse on that day. There were things that we had set aside, specifically knowledge, that our boys were not ready for. Why, why would you walk in on this scene and make them cry? With, with knowledge that they can't handle and would live in fear and trepidation of for the next 13 years. There is a parental portion. We do it intuitively as moms and dads. God is going to take care of us. He has a portion as well that is designed to be a future blessing, but 
forgiven and seen now become children. Chapter and verse. Adam was not allowed to eat from the tree of life because he received the curse of knowledge that was not supposed to be there. It was not bad. And so the Lord had to give another blessing, which was not letting him eat from the tree of life because then he would live forever apart from God. But because of Jesus, we have the hope of eating from that tree because the penalty of our sin has been paid. As moms and as dads, we do this all the time. We provide, we provide, we provide, mostly with the full consumption of our family, which is great. But some of it we set aside for the right time, in the right place, in the right way. Because if we don't, it could become a curse for our children as the human race has experienced Moving into a time of communion, I, I want to share the greatest example of God's provision for us, and it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and it's a verse that is familiar and dear to us in the context of communion services. It's because Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So I've told you something that you wanted to hear, which is how God has provided for River Church. And it could go on and on and on. And I've told you something that you needed to hear from God's Word, which is God has a portion. And, and to wrap up that application very, very specifically, and we're going to go into great detail in the weeks to come in God's Word about what we do with God's portion. But the bottom line is all of your money is not your money. It's all of your money to manage, but it's not all your money to control. And if you do, you're going to have a curse. That's from God's word. And that's a hard thing to hear. That's, that's a difficult thing to hear. But if we don't get that straight, we're going to wrestle, we're going to wrestle, we're going to wrestle, we're going to wrestle with our finances for all of our life and not experience the peace and the blessing that God intends for us. All of our money is our money to care for, but not all of it is to consume. Because some of it, God has set aside for his people for the future. And there's a plan and a purpose for it to be a blessing in the future. But if we consume it all right now, then we won't, won't be blessed for us. And so that's something difficult to hear. But I'm just, I, 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 I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say that beginning from the Garden of Eden, that God provides for his people, but within his provision, there is his portion. To wrap up our time together this morning, I want to talk about the portion that God has set aside for us. And that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, in the same way, Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ has provided all the forgiveness. If we're going to be forgiven at all, it is because God provides our forgiveness through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The greatest heresy in the New Testament church, that because this forgiveness is so great, we can now live any way we want. The single greatest heresy in the New Testament church is what the book of Jude is actually about. Amongst others, Paul talks about it as well. And so we'd like to make the same mistake with our lives as we make with our finances, which is think we can do anything we want without regard to God's portion because Christ's forgiveness is so free and so plentiful. He can and does forgive us of all of our sins, but it does not lead to willful or sinful living. God's portion is our obedience. You see that? God has provided all the forgiveness through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but the portion that he keeps for himself is our obedience. Just because we have the freedom 
be forgiven from all sin does not mean we now need to forgive to, to, to commit all sin. God's portion is our obedience. And so this morning, during communion, we're going to remember God's portion by being obedient to his word. And so if you've never received communion here at River Church, we practice open communion, which is your decision to participate and consume communion is between you and the Lord. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please partake in communion. It's the Lord's table. It has really nothing to do with River Church specifically. We didn't set this table. We're just pulling up a chair to it just like you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's a warning in Scripture that says you shouldn't take communion right now because you can't remember something that didn't happen. <laughs> You're just making something up. If you do not have a memory of salvation, then I would encourage you to make one. It would sound like this. Heavenly Father, I have been living the way I want to live without regard to your portion because you're obedient. I see now that that's wrong. And so I turn from my ways that I know are wrong, my ways that I know are evil, my ways that I know do not please you, and I accept by faith the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and forgiveness for all of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have memories of praying a prayer like that, are going to pray a prayer like that, please take communion because now you can remember something. But if you haven't prayed that prayer, then just let the elements guide you back. And so I'm going to pray a blessing on the time of communion. The band's going to play a little bit. The elements will be distributed. We are a double cup communion church, which means there's stacks, two cups on top of each other. Please take both cups. The bottom one is a little uh, slice of bread, which reminds us of Jesus' body. The top is broken juice, which reminds us of Jesus' blood. So I'm going to pray those elements will be distributed this is going and we're going to uh, take communion together uh, once everyone has received the elements would you join me in prayer heavenly father thank you so much for this opportunity to be found faithful and obedient thank you that you have provided everything we need not just for the day-to-day -day stuff which we've been talking about but also for the stuff that will carry us through to eternity father we rejoice in your forgiveness we need your forgiveness we thank you for your forgiveness, and we are obedient to remember the price that you paid for our freedom as we observe communion together this morning. We ask you.